This episode of Camel Assembly Radio is brought to you by DFNS. Have you ever put your jeans in the freezer? No, why would I do that? Because you're not meant to wash denim. So to get rid of the smell and make sure they stay in shape and da-da-da-da, you put them in the freezer. That sounds weird, bro. <laughs> well, anyway. DFNS lifestyle care products come in Aeropack spray bottles, so you don't have to wash everything that gets dirty. Just use DFNS denim launder on your jeans or denim, and you're good to go 10 minutes later. Ooh, that sounds great for the lazy and active. Exactly. I'm Keshia Hanum. And I'm Yelda Ali. And we're the hosts of Camel Assembly Radio, the radio show where we sit with female artists and activists and we ask them what they're making and how they're making change. And uh, we have had a big week. You have had a big week. I have had a big week. I'm not even going to lie. I cued myself. <laughs> um, Congratulations, yeah. baby. Thank you. So to contextualize, um, this week, one of my dreams came true. I have always dreamed of speaking at the UN. I didn't know in what context. I remember I was talking to my mom about it, actually, and she was like, do you remember that time we drove past the UN when you were like 15 and you were like, one day I'll speak there? And um, that dream came true. And basically it was um, an organization called Nexus, which is this really incredible community of philanthropists, social entrepreneurs, um, investors, and they come together once a year for a global summit. And I work with a company called Dear World, which is a storytelling organization, and we help people find their stories um, and share them. And so I spoke on behalf of Dear World. I talked about storytelling and how important and powerful it is in building bridges and making change, helping us understand each other. Yeah, that's it's such a big deal. But I want to know about like the culture in there. I'm not going to assume it's stuffy, but I'm so happy that you're there because you listen to people every day for your like purpose, your work. And so I feel like as intelligent and powerful and with money most of the people in those rooms are some of them are disconnected from really what's happening in this local communities yeah and that's definitely did you feel it? i i did i mean i mean the first thing i noticed when i got there was there were so many kids <laughs> it was like lining up to do the security check i was like why are there so many children and it's because people go obviously from certain schools they get trips into the un to go and do because the un kind of looks more like a museum than anything else There's what kind like, of school so i don't know i think they're like probably from like ivy league schools or private schools that's what they're yeah. called um, Another experience I have not had. No. <laughs> not the kind of schools I went to. But I can imagine how transformative that would be to go somewhere. You know, there's like big Nelson Mandela statues up. And there's like a, a rifle that's tied into a knot at the end of the barrel. And it's gifts from different countries I that have been donated. I wonder if those kids appreciate it or if it's just like going to a museum. I don't know. I feel like that would be something that is imprinted in my brain if I had been there. That was like... Yeah. I was seeing them walking around awestruck. I was like, I get it. Me too. You know, like that doesn't change. Um, but I think there was also a weird energy. And that honestly is constantly what I recognize is like there is an elitism about it, you know. And it's like and I, I know that we call that out. I don't think that's a new argument. But there is sort of this 
okay, I, I can feel that there is a, a detachment from what's going on just across the river, you know, looking over at Queens and... I think I was I was struck by that. But the UN rooms are, they have the little microphones on the desks. Mm-hmm. And um, that made me feel really comfortable because it kind of felt like a camel assembly. You know, wow. we were walking in and just facilitating a workshop. And um, so it was really cool. And I was, I was really thankful uh, for your, the experience. What was like a personal takeaway? Did you have like a moment for yourself? Was it like, you know, what was your favorite part of it? Yeah, great question. I I mean, I was nervous. I'm not going to pretend I wasn't. I was like, at, I, you know, with a lot of speaking gigs, I'm like, it's fine. It's only 900 people and I don't really care about who's in the audience. Or it'll be like, it's okay, it's 40 people, so don't be nervous. But this one, I was like, it's a lot of people and they're all intelligent and I'm scared. And I care. Um, and I, I care. And I care. And yeah. it's, this has been a dream for a long time. So I practiced so much. I was doing rehearsals all morning. and I didn't see you for almost a week. Right. I need to hear about your week as well for that reason. Um, Such a big week, <laughs> comparatively. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, this is, this is going to sound, I, I apologize. I'm not trying to name drop, but I had, there was amazing people that went before me and they were all making such incredible change. This woman was this incredible Nigerian woman rethinking infrastructure and, um, the, the chief executive of UNICEF spoke before me and, um, they all, they were all like a bit trepidatious and even Cara Delevingne delivered a speech before me and she got up and she sat down and she goes, I can't believe I'm sitting here. I never would have thought that I would be at the UN delivering a speech. And I was like, me too. <laughs> like, yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, we're also, and like seeing people, because I was standing beside just before they went on stage and it was just this moment of humanity looking in everyone's eyes and being like, oh, you're all terrified. Okay, cool, great. I'm sure the more you do this, the easier it gets, but it doesn't matter who you are, what um, scenes you've acted in, who you interact with, everyone has that that human check of like, I'm in an, a room I'm intimidated by and I need to go and just be myself. But I didn't see you for a week. What did you do while I was gone? Um, <laughs> not so much. That's a lot. You had a lot of gigs this week. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, I DJed for Cosmo Magazine and, you know, it was just so full circle for me because, you know, it, okay, to compare it to my parents, in Afghanistan where they would secretly, you know, a generations of like having to find books and read it, you know, secretly. That was my Cosmo. I was never allowed to read Cosmo. It was too sexual. It was too liberating. Um, it was all about makeup. I couldn't wear makeup. And so it was like the thing I would buy, spend my money on, read it and then get rid of it before I got home, you know? And so to be in a room where I was curating the music for the women that made that content for me growing up was like, you know, not necessarily the same women, but like that ethos and that infrastructure was like, cool. Like actually you probably taught me more about a lot of things more than my mother, you know, because it was afraid, it was like scary to ask some questions. And so, so full circle. That was really actually meaningful, you know, mm-hmm. because it's not like anyone would look at me and think I'm like the Cosmo girl. But I did have that guilty sort of like, um, what is it called? Indulgence? Yeah, Pleasure? sure. Um, Secret? Yeah, like sort of like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Damn you, that. English. Um, so then. Um, did you that... have any meaningful conversations this week? As you always tend to. Mm. Yeah. So also on Tuesday night, I was sitting at Sweet Chick having a convo with. Two incredible artists, one from, you know, the South, one from New York City, and just having the conversation of what's next in my music journey and having the courage to start sharing with people that I'm working on, you know, making my own music. Huge. Which is not something I'm openly talking about, yeah. I, in the past few years, while we built Camel Assembly, 
really, really noticed that like the thing that we make is safe spaces and those spaces sound different. What I love about that is that you are such a creator of safe spaces and honestly a lot of the work, whether it is your art or your music or your conversation or whether you're standing on a stage or on a panel or you're creating a party or whatever it is, your work looks like it comes from understanding what safe spaces are. And I think that's what's beautiful about um, the conversation we're about to have with our two guests today because they are two women who exemplify for me what it is to create something because of who you are and enlace what you care about into that thing that you make. Um, and so we are so honored today to have our two guests, Cara and Angela. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies. Thanks for having us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're super excited. To be here. Oh, it's truly, the energy is so beautiful in here and you guys have created such um, important, powerful uh, entities. So we're excited to hear more about them. But the first thing that we always ask our guests when they come in is uh, who you are, what you're making, and what you care about. Uh, so Angela, maybe we'll start with you. Okay, well, I am the mom of my daughter, beautiful nine-year-old daughter, and uh, wife, and puppy owner. 12. Is that a new thing? What? That's a it's new thing? It's so new. She's 12 weeks old. Oh my so God. gonna come I'm and steal her. Definitely, the. I have a lot of hope that she will get potty trained very soon. Um, so what am I making? You know, I always think of myself as a beauty maker. You know, obviously I make beauty products, but I am tr I really try to make things more beautiful for people, whether that's space, whether it's the products that I make or, you know, right, one thing that I'm very passionate about right now, and I hate to use this word because I think it's so OD, but, you know, I feel like I'm a self-care advocate mm -hmm. just and and to be fair you you've been talking about that before it was mainstream so I've it's been, like yes you yes. really you did own that thing right yeah so that's those are the things that i really care about right now the things that i'm making and the, th the who i am beautiful Cara. hi i'm Kara. Oh, Willeba. I always forget my last name. I want to just like shorten it to Kara, like Madonna. Like, why can't I just have one name? <laughs> i think you should. kind of want we're to. gonna start it now Kara with the c yes Kara with the c um I am a New Yorker. I feel like that's a way that I always introduce myself when I don't want to say like what I do. I, I'm a New Yorker all through that. and through. It yeah. says a lot. It's understood all yeah. over the world what that means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's an edge there. Um, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a friend, girl's girl. I really care about women. I think in everything that I do, whether it's my personal relationships or my life's work, it's really dedicated to bringing women together and encouraging people to be kind to each other. You've always been so mm -hmm. kind. Every time I've Thank you. Energy, Thank you. I think it makes a huge difference, not only in the world and the way that you make another person feel, but in the way that you feel. Like I tell mm -hmm. everybody this. I'm like, if you could just smile at a stranger, like you will feel absolutely like it will completely change your vibration and your energy. And Angela, I have to, I, oh. I, I you know, I have been trying to catch up with you, <laughs> I think for three years now. Yes, um, yes. And we finally got there. And that's why I'm so thankful for things like Instagram. It's just like, you just, I've been following your life. And I was like, one day we'll find each other again. And we did. And you're a very, you're good at keeping up with people. I'm I, I think when you have friends all over the place, you just, you learn to value that thing. And it's, um. And she's the type that'll be like, okay, Hong Kong's awake right now. Let me connect with my friends in Hong Kong. Okay, London's up now. I'm like, well, you do this every day. Wow. So do you consider yourself an extrovert? Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Which is a funny story <laughs> because <laughs> Yelda for so long was like, you're an extrovert. I was like, no, I am partially both. And it's like, I think we all are partially one yeah. or the other. I but mean, you yeah. started the 
argument years ago saying you were an introvert. Because I really believe that I could go a lot of time by myself. Once every two months? Like, come on. She is so far from an introvert. She used to be like, I'm an introvert. And then she'd be like, everyone is both things. And now she's like, I'm an extrovert. (laughs) I own it. Surrender. (laughs) I do still love books, though. (laughs) And speaking of, actually, both of you are responsible for for books of of different kinds. Um, Would love for you to share some of yours about about the journal and then obviously the the book that kind of kickstarted all the things that you're doing now. And Kara, maybe you can you can tell us about that. Yeah, so I have written eight books actually. <gasps> oh my god, this is so crazy! Let's shut this sunset. evening down now. <laughs> wow, stunt the hardest sister. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I know. I, like, isn't it funny though it's how like we kind of like kids. it's crazy. They yeah, really sure. are like babies. Do you forget I've actually, their names as well. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> well, it's so funny because I joke around that they're like the Kardashians and like Girl Code is like Kim because everybody reads Girl Code and that's like the one that blew up and makes the most money. Like that's Kim for oh sure. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm actually working on the ninth one now. Um, two of them are workbooks, so I don't know if that like doesn't count as much, but they're they're full length books. It counts. And I self published um all of them except one. Which is interesting, yeah. And was the one that you published the most successful? Well, I self no, my my self published one, Girl Code, was the fourth one I did. It really was just the content. It was the content, like it was about kindness and women and Mm. sisterhood and women coming together. And what year was that? that? Book twenty fifteen. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So you're popping out a book a year. One every summer. Yeah. Oh my god. Every summer since twenty twelve. Was that a a goal for you? You were like, I'm gonna make a book. No, it just happened that way. I'm not a really like a summer person. I don't like the heat. So I just kind of like go inside and sit in the air conditioner and just like write all day. And I'm sure you've just practiced that muscle where like writing a book for you isn't what it would feel like for me. Where I've never done it. So it feels like a mountain where you're like, Oh, I know this stuff. It does, but it 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 was a mountain in the beginning, yeah. and I went through a huge, like a crazy publishing story. Like I had a whole dream to write this book. I had a blog that I was building to build this platform, and I was telling you guys earlier, I didn't know anybody in the industry. I didn't know authors or editors, and you know, did not come from any sort of like background where I had this like you know crazy opportunity in front of me all the time. So I had to figure it all out. So I just Googled my way into how to publish a book. Wow! And I I learned that I had to get an agent, and I sent query letters out, which is basically like a little pitch to an agent to all these different agents and I got represented by one which I thought well then of course I'm going to get published like why wouldn't I now I have an agent but I was rejected 19 times Mm. so 19 different editors told me no and at that point I was like publishers or well editors at the publishing yeah because you pitched the editor right and at that point I was like okay am I going to let somebody else determine my life's path? Am I going to put my dreams in the hands of this, you know, these gatekeepers, these random people just sitting at a desk that maybe were in a bad mood that day or don't get me or don't believe in me? Like, no, I'm going to be an author. So I self-published. And then it sort of just went from there. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's that is so, so cool. inspiring. That is so inspiring. I have so much to say about that. I'll do it off. <laughs> I, I am genuinely so inspired. By Thank you. Thank you. It's not easy, but it's worth it. And I think when you find that thing, you know, like the way that you connect with people, the thing you can do really well that gets that message across for you, when you can tap into that, you don't let anyone get in your way. You just become unstoppable and you become mm. this force and you just do it. It's kind of like finding your superpower, isn't it? It is. It's like, totally. oh, there it is. Let's fly. Yeah. 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 And I think wow. it changes from time to time. But there's when you have it, you have to roll with it and you have to really just continue to to feed that energy and keep going. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. And um, Angela, what's interesting about your, your book was that it came after your business, actually. It kind of 
was yeah. informed by the prior. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a saver planner. So it's not really a book. It's a planner and it's just, it's doing really well, but it's a self-care planner. So you really, to me, self-care, the definition is an action for which your future self will thank you. And so, so say planning, that again. Self-care is an action for which your future self will thank you. Wow. I love and, that. I, and I really think it, it's every, it's manicures and massages, but it's also taking care of your finances. It's um, taking care of your skin when you're in your 20s and 30s so that your future self will thank you for not hanging out in the sun with no sunscreen. Yeah. So ev for me, that's what self-care is. And it's taking care of yourself so you don't burn out because, you know, I've been there. I Probably you all have where you're working yourself to the bone. And that's not taking care of your future self because when you're burnt out, depressed and anxious, that's no you're no good to yourself, to, let alone, you know, your profession. So this planner has just really taken off and it's, it's just this, I think cause it's this different approach to self-care, you know, cause I think people have thought of self-care as a very fluffy word. If certainly I do, I did, um, where I thought it was just frivolous. It was luxurious <laughs> in a way that like was frivolous though, you know? A conversation I've been having recently is it's almost sometimes damaging when people are just preaching, like, just go and take a spa day girl, because it's like. Um, I actually might not need a spot. I might need, again, a safe space where someone can listen to me. Yeah. And I, um, you might be craving bonding and, and you know? do you integrate that in the plan? Okay. So I really think you should plan for brain chemicals, oxytocin, endorphins, dopamine, and, uh, what's the fourth one? it'll come to me what serotonin. And what you're talking about is oxytocin. That's like puppy love. It's, it's. It's really bonding with other women. It's hugging. And, and I really think you need to plan for all of those to really take care of your inner spirituality and, and that soul care. I love that. And so I think activities, exercise, yoga, meditation, whatever it is, you, you really need to plan for it. Because if you don't write it down and commit to it, it's so easy for your life just to, you know, just pass you by. And I think that's a really good point because on this episode, we're talking about luxury, right? And and thinking about caring for your soul is, for me, the most important priority. Right. So isn't it interesting that somehow we've internalized this idea that that's a luxury that maybe you get and maybe you don't? And and how what was that journey for you to realize that, no, that is actually a really critical thing that we need to care about? So I'm Korean and I, I'm a former concert pianist. So wow. it's intense. And, you know, you don't take care of yourself. You, I mean, Koreans do take care of themselves with skincare. But, but career-wise, you just push, 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 push until you burn out. And so I was just very burnt out. And, you know, I'd started this beauty company. And I really started to get into Korean beauty rituals. That was my answer to, like, taking care. Because it's, it's almost like the overachievers. Like, I'm going to have great skin, so I'm going to take care of myself. But we created, like, this double cleanse system made from coconut, jasmine, um, champagne grape seeds and like it just was this luxurious thing and I just started washing my face every night and enjoying the process and it was my non-negotiable me time and I was taking care of my skin washing it it was so symbolic like I was going to bed with a clean slate and I was waking up loving the skin I'm in and who knew that even just taking one minute for myself to do that would lead me to yoga stretches wait I'm really enjoying this and then it just led to more you know, I, I want to meditate. I want to take care of myself. And I started to crave not working so hard. And that to me felt luxurious. 
to get to know myself and enjoy my company, which mm. is very, uh, very different from being a New Yorker in many ways, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. So that's, it just started with that one, learning how to wash my face the right way at mm. nighttime, you know? And now I've just built this company based on that concept, you know? And even though we are about beauty products and we are about natural organic beauty, it's so much deeper for me. And I think aromatherapy is so important because it's just another way for you to be <gasps> caught off by surprise, right? You're going to savor that aroma or the texture. You're like, it feels so luxurious. It's handmade. Or even the process of just do doing it, you know, it's like it draws you into this amazing world where you can just disappear for even 30 seconds, you know? I love that. Yeah. I love that. And it just opens up the pathway for more. And can we just go back to the fact that you both have books? Uh, congrats again. <laughs> well, I, I don't feel like I have a book. I have a plan. I've she read, has a I've read, I've seen your journal. It's it's more like a, it's like inspiring it's a and it teaches yeah, you yeah, yeah. and it educates you. Yeah. So for me, that's yeah. a book. Okay, okay, fine. Are books a luxury? What is a luxury, guys? Is uh, skincare time. a luxury? Time, time, time. Oh. yeah. I think talk on it. The older I get, the time. It's not so much. It, you know, money is important because I think it. It gives you a certain level of comfort and security. I think that is important. I think it's very empowering as women to make money. But I think, you know, it's time. Time to yourself. Time yeah. to think. And choosing how you get to spend your time. Yes. That's the big thing, right? Like just getting up every day and saying, this is what I want to do with my day. Like how many people have that luxury? You, I had to work really hard to create that for myself. And yeah. I never take that for granted because I, I remember like growing up, single mom, like we never had the luxury of like free time. Like I was always being shuffled off to somebody's house in the morning. My mom went to work. Then it was school. Then it was an after school center. Then it was coming home. It was doing homework and then work, work, work my whole life. And like getting to a point where I can choose what I get to do every day for work, for my lifestyle. I think that to me is like the most luxurious thing ever. Yeah. And you were talking about artists. Like we're all mm -hmm. artists here, right? We're creators. And I think creators are overthinkers sometimes and we're overdoers and we have a passion. It's like a gorgeous chaos. That's what I call it, right? And so I also think along with time is boundaries. It's like, okay, I'm going to create this boundary in my brain that I do not have to create and I can turn off and take a break from myself, right? Love that. You know, yeah. so I think there's many dimensions to time. Yeah, I was thinking about just like, you know, bringing a full circle with Cosmos. Like at that time of my life when I would buy Cosmo, that was a luxury for me. That was like, I'm going to take this $7 and put it to a magazine that I'm going to have to throw away immediately after reading. Isn't it weird for you guys to think that from some perspectives in the world, your books are a luxury? Yeah. You know, that skincare is a luxury, clothes yeah. are a luxury, especially with the way you're doing it, Kara. Yeah, so I started a vintage line. Like, I curate basically vintage clothes and jewelry just out of my passion for it. I are always you wearing loved, it now? I am, actually. Very, this is a vintage yeah. Chanel necklace. These are my grandmother's vintage rings. Oh, and this man. is a vintage uh, Kenneth J. Lane necklace, which I, like, I'm obsessed with. It but is so beautiful. these rings actually started everything for me. I don't ever leave the house without them because I loved my grandmother. A luxury for her was getting dressed and putting oh. on... This jewelry, and I mean, it's costume jewelry. It's cheap. It's not. It was not fine jewelry. You know, she didn't have like huge diamonds or anything. And when she passed away, she had a little green train case, and I took it from her apartment, and it just had like random things in it, like little sparkly rhinestone bracelets. And it was always a personal thing that I loved. And then I wound up taking a few courses at FIT, 
and I they were in vintage fashion and I literally like that afternoon after the first class I went to lunch and I was like I'm starting a business around this I have to do this and for the sustainability factor which obviously is super important right if you want to care for the environment keep recycling clothing and jewelry and all these things keep them out of landfills but also for the energy of it like mm-hmm. thinking about the woman that wore this necklace exactly. or the story behind I it right it. like it's mm-hmm. just and nobody else has it like no one else is going to have this exact thing that I'm wearing or this bag that I'm carrying. I think it's just so cool. And I would love to know um, what we think about luxury in in 2019. Mm. Um, But to that point, I think it's interesting to think about luxury is often associated with wealth, right? And Mm -hmm. I think like Yelda and I talked about this and Yelda said it really well the other day. She's like, what do you say? We, We do poor really well what'd you say we're, we're really lit poor or something like that <laughs> you we're really lit poor <laughs> what did you say i don't know like i i can do living poor really well i'm you know my mom would always say that poverty breeds creativity because we had nothing so we had to get and you work it out and it's like i've even thought that with, with yeah. food and food food and clothes i found that food and fashion it's like people talk about food and how you can eat well if you're well wealthy and it's like vegetables are very cheap like yes. compared to meat and and um and breads and sauces like you can go and and this is why like we look to asian cultures it's like curry is made because it is what people who have no money can afford it's lentils and cooking is luxury you're cooking well cooking with good vegetables is a luxury but even if you don't have the yeah and it can be but it doesn't necessarily need to equate to wealth right and i think that's what's interesting is like it doesn't matter if you don't have money you can still um and it's there's there's many factors that is more of an education and cultural totally totally um but it's even with fashion it's the same thing right where it's like um you can go to a thrift store and you can find clothes that are a couple of dollars and you can it takes more time and effort and i think yeah. that's where time as a luxury does come into it mm-hmm. um but when when we're thinking about what what luxury is defined as in 2019 do you think that it's changed particularly over the last couple of years and and how do you both of you kind of being in in those um industries mm-hmm. what do you perceive luxury as a common definition to be now i think you know with all with the landscape the political landscape and the cultural landscape with this me too with who we have in office you know i think women are saying i'm not going to wear makeup and hide who i who i am i am me and i'm going to show that authentically and i really see that happening with the women that i'm seeing coming into our spas and the people that we employ like it's very much about, I'm just me. And to me, that's a tremendous luxury. I think comfort, like tennis shoes. I'm wearing tennis shoes with a dress. That's luxury. You know, I think women are like, I'm just going to be comfortable in the skin I'm in. And don't you find that very luxurious to be able to be totally. who you are? And please don't tell totally. me it's because I'm older than you guys. There's no amount of like makeup or Fendi you could be in to re- replace that you don't feel comfortable in your skin. I think real beauty is an energy. When yeah. a woman walks in a room and she feels good about herself, yes. you notice that. Yes. Men, women, everybody notices that. And she might not be the most traditionally beautiful woman. She might not look like she's on the cover of a magazine, but you can't deny that. So it's like, I, I do, if I can, want that Chanel necklace because it's a quality thing but i don't need to have it on to feel complete it's not gonna make it's not gonna give you the make who you are exactly it adds to it it adds to it i actually opens up this conversation in the book it's called like she owns the place and i talked about and i think this ruffled a lot of feathers with people because i talked about botox and plastic surgery and i went there and i had Mm -hmm. to go there and i used to go there i always kind of came from 
a place of like, do you? That's great. Like, I don't judge anyone. And I still do never judge anybody. But I have to speak up about this because I see so many women, beautiful friends of mine, family members going and paying so much money and getting these painful procedures and like picking out their lip style like they would pick out a pair of shoes and I'm like what let's just go deeper here like what's missing like why are we doing this to ourselves do we have to do this to ourselves is could you be happy without your lips done could you be happy without the boot job and I don't think a lot of people really could really and that makes me sad yeah Yeah. I call the Kaylin cigarette girl because right. we have so many people who come in for their facials and they, they've just gotten Botox and they're like, no, but I need organic products and don't touch hair, don't massage hair, you know. And it's- so much of it is now like preventative and it's like, no, it's it's a maintenance now, baby. <laughs> At 60, it's still going to be preventative to 70, but like, yeah. you know, I think that where I stand with those things is like I had to make a decision at a certain point, you know, that I want my children one day to just be able to watch my face naturally. Yes. Yeah. Be, you know, and I don't, I don't think I would really, uh, love if my mom's face couldn't move flexibly. Like I love every wrinkle on that woman's face. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I hope my kids feel the same way cause I'm going to be, wrinkle. I mean, where I stand on this is I will never judge on anything, you know, and if I feel like, do you, right? And But I don't think I could be best friends with somebody who just had to do that because I find that beauty is very intellectually stimulating. What's, you know, what you have to say, how you lift my energy and how I lift yours to me matters more. And so I don't know if I could be best friends with someone who constantly did all of that. You and know? I think when you're around women who are constantly focusing on their flaws and trying to fix their flaws, you start to think there's something wrong with you. And you have to be really mindful about the conversations that you're having. I mean, again, no judgment to anyone listening right now that has work done or anything like that or focuses on that. But I know when I'm around people that the dinner conversation is all about Botox, I I can't connect. I can't connect on a deeper level. I want to talk about deeper things. I want to have a stimulating conversation about like how you feel inside, like what's yeah. going on in your mind? Like what are we, what are we talking about besides fillers and Juvederm? And right. I, I how's your emotional health? I don't how's find your it mental health? interesting. Yeah. It's not health. interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. And do we feel like that is something that on a to to go more sort of macro themes? I I I definitely am noticing. I wrote an article when I when I lived in Asia, and it was called Intelligent Luxury, mm, um, and how wow. there were a lot of there are a lot of um, resorts popping up that are seen to be intelligent they're they're standing so the the Suniva resorts were the ones that stood for this first the fir- one of the first um Maldives re- luxury resorts in the Maldives their whole thing was not just luxury intelligent luxury so their the the buffets are not you know bacon and scrambled eggs but nothing there's anything wrong with that but the alternative was we have um fresh fruits and vegetables from our farm there's wheatgrass shots there is um they have yoga and and um holistic uh practitioners on site they encourage you to go swimming and connect with the so it was like it was a, and and everything in there was sustainable right everything was made from sustainable materials they mm-hmm. had um a water recycling program so and i'm seeing that i am seeing that luxury has gone especially when in say take the example of food it's gone from gold flakes on lobsters to locally sourced vegan food mm-hmm. and that for me is in in some circles in some circles yeah. do you see that as well and do you think that that is is more of a, a consequence of 
uh, of a class or, you know, a, 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 I say like a social class or a type of p- person with money? Or do you think that that's more of a overall, oh, we've understood climate change is real. Oh, we've understood that those things don't bring us satisfaction. What do you think it is that is contributing to that shift? I think it's a value shift. I think there are certain values that certain people really feel passionate about. And so maybe it's more of a value luxury, you know, to be concerned about those kinds of things. I don't know if it's social. I don't know if it's economic, you know, but I find that like even my employees who may not be like at a certain economic status, they're very concerned about those kinds of things. And they're really treating their bodies like temples. You know what I mean? It's like a general consciousness. I think there's a general consciousness and values that that value consciousness that's happening. I agree. And I'm plant-based and I grew up, I think a lot of it is a cultural issue people will struggle with because I grew up in an Italian-American family and I just had Sunday dinner with them and they couldn't wrap their brain around the fact that I didn't want to eat the sausage. (laughs) Like they'll never accept it. it. And that's okay. And again, no judgment. Like, but I think it's a mindfulness and it's an uh, ability to think beyond the status quo and social norms, cultural norms that a lot of people are not even willing to open their eyes to those things. You know, and I've been sharing a little bit more openly on my Instagram about being plant-based and how I feel about eating animals and you know I've gotten a lot of support but then I've also gotten people who are like I just couldn't do it like I'm Dominican I'm Italian I'm Asian I'm this like you don't understand and I'm like I do understand and to your point about the you know the so the um financial aspect of it I've actually had a lot of women reach out to me and say I'm a mom of three you know I'm a single mom like how could I afford this how could I ever do this and I'm like well meat is way more expensive than a can of beans and you can feed like all of your kids on a can of beans and rice and a bunch of vegetables so I think we just need to be more comfortable with having these conversations and sharing what's working and helping people open their mind to maybe a different way I think it's just so important to point out that like I personally think it is impossible to have the conversation of luxury without having the conversation of privilege they are so hands in hands because Mm -hmm. it's not just the privilege of being able to buy something luxurious. It's about the privilege to be educated on food. It is the privilege to be uh, able to... To have a computer to Google what is plant-based food. Again, (laughs) have the time (laughs) while you're raising three kids, maybe, you know, in a... um, Oh, what are we calling it now? Not the best school zones. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's where it's like, I think privilege, the more it increases, the more you have luxuries, you know, and when I am without money, uh, skincare is a luxury for me. And when I have money, it's a necessary thing that I need, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. I think that, <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah. yeah. I think that luxury yeah. and privilege, like, what is that for you guys? Like, wh- yeah. how is that related to you? Luxury to me, it feels so like com- comforting, and I don't know if money necessarily bring it brings you physical comfort, but I don't know if it brings you emotional. To me, luxury is very emotional, like security, you know. So that's how I equate luxury. But when it comes to luxurious goods, right? So, like for example, like a Prada purse, yeah, or like a eighty dollar eye cream. But I see what you're saying, and I think I, I and that's where I uh, am, am curious for us to understand the complexity of the word luxury, because luxury, you know, there have been times where I've had very little money, and a bag of cookies is a luxury that I give myself, yeah. and it makes me happy. Yeah. And, and I think that, and that's fine, you know, yeah. that, that's okay. That's where we have to get into the conversation about 
not comparing ourselves to other people and being okay with the space you're in. Because I, like you, have we've all been in spaces where we've had money, haven't had money. Right. It's up and down, especially as an entrepreneur. Right. It's, you know, there's like the gold rush and everything's great. And then you're like, well, why haven't I gotten my checks yet? We've all been there. And I think you have to just be okay with what makes you happy and what makes you feel good and not look around at what everybody else has because that's when it gets dangerous. Yeah. Is luxury a mindset? Because I there's two moments that were absolutely free and when I was really poor that I felt the most luxurious. And that was when I was a kid because my parents were so strict and they were they were very disciplined. And when they would leave the house and I felt the, the window open and the wind on my face and I didn't have to do anything. That wow. felt like absolute luxury to me. And the second time I remember feeling luxurious was when I was in college and I was, I think I got a 30 cent raise or something. And my, my boyfriend was 10 years older and he was like this like really classy violinist. And I was like, oh, I got a 30 cent raise and he kind of made fun of me. And I sat down and I thought about it. I was like really hurt because I was like, I got a 30 cent raise. This is great. Maybe it was 50 cents. I don't remember. But it you, was You something. were crushing it either way. I was crushing yeah, it. I, feel that. I got a raise. And I just sat there, I did the math, and I was like, oh my God, my favorite cookie is $1.50. And as a college student, I couldn't even afford that sometimes. And I was like, now I can. And I'm going to go to Sweet Stuff, and I'm going to get my favorite cookie. And he was just looking at me, and he was like, wow, that's like really an amazing mindset, you know? As a mom today, how much do you feel like you have to keep up with everything that your kids need because the other kids have it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but mine is very education-based. Well, even like, whether it's, it's, like, it's... sports. You yeah. know, like, for me growing up, I couldn't play sports because we didn't have the money to be on sports teams. That was a luxury, you know? But or... is luxury appreciation, actually, just backing up one second, is luxury appreciation because now I have more money and, you know, I've attained a certain level that I've worked very hard for, and some things I take for granted. And when I was, when I was younger, I might have been like, this is so luxurious. I really appreciate it, really savor it, really relish in it. But... If it's just like a commodity that's easy to get, suddenly you don't appreciate it and it doesn't feel luxurious. Do you right? think that the fact that you have for a long time, I'm assuming, had money and been stable, you can't even see what's luxurious anymore? Maybe. And, you know, I, I mean, money is, Fair. there's, it's like, Fair. there's a big spectrum relative. we can talk about. All right. very relative. And I worry about my daughter. We talked about this earlier. I'm like, does she appreciate? Does she not even appreciate that I'm getting her this? She doesn't appreciate it. I'm like, because you need the contrast in life. You need the contrast. Yeah. And if she didn't have it before, right. you can't blame her. She doesn't know. Right. That she doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I appreciate like my background. I appreciate having yes. to had struggle. And I, I even appreciate it when there's highs and lows now. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I need to just be really aware of when I do feel good. And, you know, even if it's not a money thing, but it is something luxurious like time or freedom or a day with nothing on yeah. the agenda just like relish in it and it's yeah. funny how our definitions of luxury change yeah and i think that's really important as well but i think what resonated really with all of all, all of your comments was luxury should be individual and i think that we will we will find disease when we are trying to define our luxury by somebody else's but sometimes your luxury looks like opening the window and feeling the breeze on your face i think that's a really beautiful place for us to pause Pamela Assembly's Rapid Fire. Not so rapid, but very fire. Rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Rapid fire. Okay, five questions. Five questions. Who or what is your biggest teacher right now? My daughter, hands down. My mom. 
Look at that. Where in the world would you wake up if money wasn't a thing tomorrow morning? Italy. Tokyo. Diamonds or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. All the way. All the way. Luxury. (laughs) Dogs. Is sex a luxury? (laughs) Sex is a necessary luxury. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it is. And... Oh, so necessary luxury. Necessary That's another luxury. thing. That's a whole like, other episode. Okay. <laughs> necessary luxury. What is your favorite topic in the news right now? Oh, health insurance. Mm-hmm. I'd have to agree. It's, it's affecting me a lot as an entrepreneur. So, yeah. 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 Fair. Yeah. Me too. Thank you guys both for your energy. Your mind, your heart. Amazing. Uh, we will be following. We're so thankful we got your time. You're busy women. So we appreciate you very much. Thank you. For and us. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, sisters. Carol Olaleba, Marching